Hello, this is Mark Galliotti with another short In Moscow Shadow Cellcast, recorded on Sunday the 6th of September 2020, released to patrons today and probably publicly a week later. This is going to be a wonk-heavy incursion into the realm of Belarusian security personalia, so be warned. That's not everyone's cup of tea, so if that doesn't grab you, you know, go and make a cup of tea, or go for a walk, or whatever. Generally do something else instead. Still here, though? Okay, here we go. Lukashenko's fate ultimately now rests in four pairs of hands. Now, one of them is Vladimir Putin's, enough said. The other three are those of his KGB chief, his interior minister, and his minister of defence. One of whom has just been replaced, one of whom is probably not going anywhere, and one of whom is a maybe mover we'll have to see. And it's these three men that I really want to discuss today. For the last eight years, the chairman of the State Security Committee, the KGB, and I still think it is telling that the Belarusians didn't even change the name when the Soviet Union collapsed, was Lieutenant General Valery Vakulchik. On the 3rd of September, Vakulchik, the longest-serving such head, was replaced by Ivan Tertel. Now, Vakulchik was technically promoted, made Secretary of the Security Council. But the Belarusian Security Council is a rather less significant body than its Russian counterpart. The Secretary has a much, much smaller Secretariat, and above all, he has no executive role. The only thing he's going to be ordering now is his lunch. So, he's by no means in disgrace, but he's definitely been moved away from the levers of actual power. Now, why this is significant is, first of all, that there was no particular health or immediate political reason uh, to move him at this time. But more to the point, his replacement happens to coincide with Moscow's apparent decision to back the regime. And that matters. Ivan Tertel was deputy chair of the KGB before, between 2008 and June of this year. And then he was briefly made chairman of the State Control Committee, which, by the way, arguably has more real clout than the Security Council. Tertel, a former Soviet paratrooper who then moved into the KGB, is not exactly a dove. I mean, in fact, he was placed under European Union sanctions for his role in the repression following the 2010 presidential elections, and he's also banned from entry into the Baltic states. Most importantly, though, his reputation is of being rather more chummy with Moscow than his predecessor. Vakulchik cooperated with the Russians, of course, but part of the mission Lukashenko had given him was to prevent the Russians from establishing networks of agents, proxies and sympathisers within the Belarusian state apparatus. You remember, Lukashenko's relationship with the Russians was pretty ambivalent often. This is something that Vakulchik did with assiduous vigour. Certainly today, Belarus is much, much less compromised in this way than, say, Ukraine in 2014. I'm not going to suggest that Tertel is some kind of Russian proxy. I mean, earlier this year, it's worth noting, I mean, he was perfectly willing to claim that the since-exiled presidential contender Viktor Babariko was just that, a cat's paw of Gazprom and, by extension, Moscow. But he's no Vakulchik. 
In his time previously at the KGB, Tertel was known for being much closer in his relationship with the, his Russian counterparts, especially the Federal Service, Federal Security Service, the FSB. Given Vakulchik's especially sort of prominent role in the pre-election campaign to try and claim it was evil Russia that was interfering in Belarusian politics rather than evil West, and particularly the arrest of 33 Wagner mercenaries, it may well have been the case that his scalp was part of the price that Moscow wanted for its support. And one other interesting note, Vakulchik was very definitely Lukashenko's man. Tertel is rather more closely associated with Lukashenko's son, Viktor. The two of them served together in the 16th Border Troops Detachment. Tertel was also a key figure in Viktor Lukashenko's bid to basically break, or mm, breaks too extreme, but certainly take on and tame the Interior Ministry in 2009. And now Viktor Lukashenko is generally regarded as the sort of the, the curator, um, the overall overseer of the power ministries within the presidential administration. And I can't help but feel that while the Lukashenko family brand is pretty tainted by now, but it could be that a crown prince is rising. And to be honest, I mean, opinion about Tertel's actual technical competence are varied. But given the way he's linked to the boss's son, and given the way that he's more Russia-friendly or at least Russia acceptable, it's clear that he'll do. On the other hand, I don't anticipate, and no doubt a week will prove me wrong, that Interior Minister Major General Yuri Karaev is going anywhere. He was actually born in Odronikidze in southern Russia, and he's of Ossetian stock. I mean, his full name is Yuri Khadzimuratovich Karaev, and he's a career tough guy, a boxer. He joined the Soviet interior troops, commanded a unit of the Belarusian interior troop Spetsnaz, their special forces, and then went on to command units of the fearsome Amon riot police. Now, these are the black uniformed and balaclavered thugs we have seen putting the boot in to protesters. And more recently, we've also seen these khaki uniformed thugs joining them. And these are likely to be interior troop Spetsnaz. So, you know, Karayev is personally linked with the people who are really out there on the front line. Although in more peaceable times, he's made appropriate references to the need for police reform and serving the people, blah, blah, blah. It's hard not to see this as sheer tokenism. He's never actually been a police officer, always an enforcer. And at the sharp and definitely heavy end of He's done whatever Lukashenko wanted. And he doesn't seem to have any particularly anti-Russian agenda. I mean, in fact, his sister still lives there. And he's frankly so toxic in his reputation now that there's no way he can really reinvent himself or work in any alternative administration. Indeed, he must know that he would make too good a scapegoat to any new administration. So he has every reason to try and maintain the status quo. He's Lukashenko's man until the boss decides to get rid of him. He's got nowhere else to go. So I think for the moment, Karev is there. So that's one new-ish figure and one who's probably stuck in place. What about the defence minister, Major General Viktor Khrenin? He too is a relatively recent appointee who succeeded um, Andrei Ravkov in January. 
His reputation is... eh, okay. He's a career army officer. He commanded the 11th Guards Berlin Carpathian Independent Motor Rifle Brigade, which is one of the prime units of, of the Belarusian army. Um, and then he was the head of the Western Operational Command. Interestingly, though, way back in, I think it was 2014, I was talking to a recently retired Russian general staff officer in Moscow. Um, and he was talking about the, generally speaking, non-Russian people who are cycling through the general staff academy or being generally met by general staff officers. Um, and he particularly was talking about one Belarusian general he'd encountered who actually turned out to be Khrenin. At the time, I confess, I wasn't especially interested in some random Belarusian two-star. But I duly wrote up my notes later because, well, as we see, you never know. My contact was, I think it's fair to say, not a great fan. He regarded Khrenin as, and let me actually quote from my notes here, a classic competent mediocrity does the job. No strategic vision, though, no real imagination. Follows orders, remembers his training. A great executive officer, maybe, but not a leader. And that's what we see in Belarus these days. Well, look, my contact certainly had an axe to grind that it's not worth really going into here. But if we accept this characterization as accurate, and he's a pretty smart cookie, then maybe this is exactly what Lukashenko needs. A loyal, unimaginative military manager. So far, to be sure, Krenin is definitely doing his job, as far as Luka would think of it. Not least in how, in his now infamous warning, um, he told his military commanders that, yes, we may have a civil war, and there's a chance we'll have a military conflict. This is a reality, and it is necessary to fight and if necessary, with weapons. In other words, he was basically telling them that they might be required to turn their, their weapons on the population because, of course, as we know, the population is being stirred up by the evil West. They are just simply proxies of foreign intervention. So he's certainly talking the talk. The question is whether, if need be, he'll actually be able to get his subordinates to walk the walk. At the moment, Although today is a Sunday, so likely to be more big protests, but nonetheless Lukashenko seems to be holding on. If, if momentum begins to turn against him, if we do start to see in particular um, defections or refusals from the police and interior ministry forces, then he will need to turn to the army. I honestly don't know what will happen then. If they'll follow, if they'll refuse, if they'll actually oppose. But seeing Hrenin talk and recalling that rather lukewarm assessment of him, I can't help but remember Marshal Dmitry Yazov, the Soviet defence minister who joined the hardliners 1991 August coup against Gorbachev. A man who ultimately opted not to take the bloody suppression route. But I suspect to a large extent that was because his own officers were, as we know, telling him that they could not or would not send their men against protesters. So this was not really necessarily a, a moral stance, but a failure of leadership. Khrenin may, in such extreme circumstances, prove to be another Yazov, um, another figure unable to mobilise his own men. We'll see. I certainly hope so if it comes to that. And that's the end of, of this cellcast. I just wanted to give through a little snapshot of these three particular people. 
My usual thanks to my patrons, and if you'd like to be one of them and get this kind of content earlier, and all sorts of other perks, then just head on to patreon.com slash shadows. Meanwhile, though, thanks for listening, and we'll see what happens in Bye.